Welcome to SBC This Week. I'm Brandon Porter. Laura Erlinson is here with me. How's Hi, it going, Brandon. Laura? Hello. It is a great day. It's a great day. Good deal. <laughs> well, it has been um, a busy week as we have had numerous announcements about candidates um, who will mm-hmm. be brought forward at the annual meeting, um, which is coming very soon. We, we've had some planning meetings this week about Baptist Press's coverage for the annual meeting, which yes. uh, makes it feel very real. The um, train is coming down the track. That's right. Yeah. Beyond just a spreadsheet, we've actually been talking to folks and planning and preparing. And so um, excited about that. But probably what you're alluding to in your excitement mm-hmm. um, is is something beyond the presidential candidate announcements, and we'll come to those shortly. Yes. But sort of breaking news today um, across yes, the SBC. Yes, I wish that I had a like a drum roll sound effect yeah. or something, or yeah. trumpets maybe, I don't know. But yeah, Jeff Orge is mm-hmm. the candidate for EC president and CEO, which yeah. is, to me, fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very excited to make that announcement. Um, There's a special called meeting of the executive committee on March the 21st in Dallas. And um, we are working that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have expressed um, my admiration for him even on this podcast within the last few months when he announced his uh, retirement from Gateway. I said, you called it a bittersweet moment. And I think I said, I don't think it's bittersweet. I just think it's bitter. It makes makes me sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and so now today I'm really happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Dr. Orich has been the president of Gateway Seminary since 2004. Um, back then when he started Laura, it was known as Golden Gate Baptist mm-hmm. Theological Seminary. So um, that the name has changed over these years. And um, that goes along with lots of other change that he's been a part of there at Golden Gate or now Absolutely. at Gateway. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Gateway. Uh, and just in one year, 2016, the seminary moved from Northern California, where it had been since its origin in the 1940s, to Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, to Ontario. And they launched in that one year, they changed the name to Gateway. They moved completely and they launched an online campus. And then they uh, greatly grew the endowment from the sale of the property in Northern Mm -hmm. California. So just a lot of changes uh, within just a short amount of time there at Gateway. Yeah. Yeah. So Gateway has made uh, just a tremendous um, impact and difference out in the western part of the United States. Yeah, you've talked um, about that just when you mm-hmm. travel at the state annual meetings and stuff out in the west. Yeah, there, there's just a sense of community and belonging that Gateway has fostered among pastors um, through their um, extension centers, through their their work on online campuses. Um, so certainly their their location there in Ontario, California, but. But their impact really has spread across mm-hmm. a whole portion, a significant portion of the United States. And um, there's just an excitement. I tell you what, what, what really captures me is out in the Dakotas or in Colorado or in the Northwest, um, the, the enthusiasm of the pastors for leaning into growing in their um, theological education, growing in um, leadership abilities, growing in just their just just maturing as pastors, and so often it connects not only to the state conventions, but it connects to Gateway. And I, mm-hmm. I think I think Dr. Orge has has led a team there that has really fostered that and has you know invested in 
local churches and in local pastors far beyond just getting them a degree, you know, a mm-hmm. master's degree. And mm-hmm. um, it's really a, a lifetime investment that that the seminary is making in those folks' lives. And, um, you know, there I'm, I know that there are a lot of a lot of players on that team, but but Dr. Orge has been the quarterback for many years out there. Right, right. It does seem that there is just a general admiration for him in the SBC, the broader SBC. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever heard anybody say a negative word about him. Everybody speaks glowingly about him and his leadership. He's been called like a leader of leaders. Yeah, uh, He's just so, sort of a, uh, like you say, the quarterback. And so we're excited about this news. The EC will have a special called meeting March 21st in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm to vote. And so uh, assuming an affirmative vote, uh, he will be moving to Nashville pretty Mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, it's really gray and rainy and cold in Nashville today. So nobody tell him because (laughs) he's leaving Southern California. (laughs) That's true. But it's not like that every day in Nashville. Yeah, that's true. We have our beautiful days too. Yeah. yeah, So I did something, Brandon, last night, I looked for the first time Jeff Orge's name appeared in Baptist Press. Yeah. Because I just thought this would be a fun thing to talk about today. It is. It was August 23rd, 1991. Okay. This is when he was pastor of a church that he helped plant uh, in Portland, Oregon. It was called Greater Gresham Baptist Church. And later the name changed to Pathway Church. He planted it in 1989. So this is just a couple of years later. The WMU submitted a story to Baptist Press in uh-huh. 1991 about the missions education efforts at Pathway Church, which at the uh-huh. time was still Greater Gresham. Uh, this ter- the story was about the church's creative way of making missions education a part of every Sunday, and just ways that they showed videos and they passed out literature and just kind of made it part of their everyday every Sunday gathering. Mm-hmm. And York is quote uh, Orge is quoted in the article saying that a lot of churches make it about the organization. Like how do we set this up? How do we mm-hmm. set up this process or organization? And he said, rather than that, make the goal, the make start with the end goal in mind. So rather than how do we start a missions education program, the goal should be how do we educate about missions and then be creative with how you do it. And I thought that was a really interesting Turn, like way to say that, and I and I, and he's kind of evidenced that over the years since 1991. This was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. In every p- other place he's been, like mm-hmm. let's just shift how we look at it just a little bit. Uh, let's think about what the ultimate goal is, and then how do we reach that rather than think about the structure. And uh, this is an interesting thing too. When he left uh, the pastorate of that church in 2004 to become the executive director of the Northwest Baptist Convention. He stayed a member of the church mm-hmm. uh, so for 10 years. He was like a, a lay leader at the church, yeah. which is pretty unusual. And Actually also I led thought, a significant committee, Yeah, which, which to me is interesting because that, that means that the pastor felt comfortable enough mm-hmm. with and around a former pastor to let him have that leadership. And that, um, that, that's. That's challenging. Let me yeah. use that word. That that is yeah, right. challenging for pastors. And unusual. Absolutely. Unusual. Yes. Yeah. So it just speaks to I think maybe his character, and so it was. Uh, it was. It's a neat little uh, piece of trivia. I think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, last night I decided Jeff uh, Orge is the ice cream of the SBC. Like, there you go. Everybody loves him. That's right. So, <laughs> it's good. 
Well, very good. So I'm, I know we'll have more um, on this as um, as the next few weeks develop. So keep checking Baptist Press and listening to the podcast here for more info um, on the the process of the EC moving toward that meeting in March 21st. And certainly, you know, above above all that, um, be informed so that you can pray. And, um, mm. you know, join, join in praying for Dr. Orge and his family, uh, be praying for the, the EC, pray for the SBC as, as this information is shared and discussed and, and, and thought through. And so we, we just uh, co- covet your prayers as we move forward. Uh, Laura, we, we talked a minute ago about uh, presidential announcements um, that have come this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're doing this kind of in chron- chronologically reverse order. For, for the right. week, yeah, yes. if, if you would. So, um, so David Allen, um, we we received word this week from uh, Danny Forshee, who is a pastor in Texas, that he intends to nominate David Allen, um, who is a very well known academic leader across the SBC and a preaching coach. Um, but but he will be nominated to serve as SBC president this summer in Indianapolis. Yeah, David Allen, you maybe know that name if you've been following Southern Baptist Life for any length of time. Long time preaching professor professor at Southwestern Seminary. He was actually on the trustee board uh, at Southwestern, uh, including a stint as chairman of that trustee board for 12 years. Wasn't chairman for 12 years, but he was on the board for 12 years. And then uh, began uh, uh, teaching there. He was the dean of the School of Theology mm-hmm. at Southwestern from 04 to 2016. Mm-hmm. And then he became the first dean of the new School of Preaching at Southwestern. And then he left Southwestern in 2022 uh, to become the Adrian Rogers Center for Bli- Biblical Preaching Chair at Mid-America Baptist Seminary in Memphis. Mm. And so, yeah, long time uh uh, I guess mentor, you would almost mm-hmm. say, for a lot of pastors in the SBC. He yeah. himself has pastored two churches, and but he's That's been right. the interim pastor at thirteen churches. Yeah. yeah. So just a an interesting uh, and pretty amazing career there for David Allen. So Danny Forshee called him quote a mentor to literally thousands of pastors all over the world. All right, Laura, we also had a, another nomination to come in earlier this week, and uh, that nomination came from. Oklahoma pastor Dusty Devers, and every time I see his name, I also want to make sure, like I, I want to also say Oklahoma Senator Dusty Devers. That's so he, right. That's yeah, he's, that's he's a state true. senator, a state senator yep. mm-hmm, in Oklahoma, but he let us know that he intends to nominate Tennessee pastor Jared Moore for that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Moore is senior pastor of Homestead's Baptist Church in Crossville, Tennessee, um, served as the second vice president of the SBC back in 2014. Yeah, he's been the pastor of Homestead's Baptist Church since 2016, and Devers said that Moore represents, quote, the salt of the earth, Southern Baptists. And he also said that um, Moore loves Christ, his church, and the SBC, and wants to see the SBC using all of its tremendous resources to accomplish the Great Commission faithfully. Mm-hmm. So that's another, so th- this makes number four mm-hmm. uh, candidates for SBC president now. We have Jared Moore, we have David Allen, we have Mike Keybone, and we have Clint Presley in North Carolina. So they're adding up and we may have a few more before it's over. Who knows? That's right. That's right. It just, it's just March the 1st. That's and, right. Um, it's so, early. 
Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Uh, also received a nomination intent uh, for uh, the pastor's conference. And so this will be the second one of those that, that we've received. Uh, the, the candidate is DJ Horton, um, who is a pastor in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, received, we received that, that Dr. Fred Luter, uh, well-known pastor of Franklin Avenue Baptist in New Orleans, is planning to um, nominate him to to serve as the president of the pastor's conference. Yeah, DJ Horton is the senior pastor of Church at the Mill in Moore, South Carolina, and he preached at last year's pastor's Mm -hmm. conference. So if you were there, you heard him preach. Luter said that he is nominating him because, quote, he has proven through his church, his preaching, through outreach, that he's a pastor that other pastors can learn from. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, just a couple of notes. So first of all, 2025 pastors conference is what we're talking about. That's uh, right. The, he would yeah. he would lead that one. That's yeah. right. Because so this one, be Stephen Rummage, this year, Stephen Rummage is going to lead the pastors conference in Indianapolis. Yeah. Yep. So uh, so when this came in, Laura, um, it came to us from our friends at the Baptist Courier. And uh, we had a conversation yesterday uh, in the office about uh, like, how do I know his name? Where do I know? Where have I heard his name? Yes. And um, so I couldn't let it go yesterday afternoon, last night, actually. And so I turned to trusty Google, and um, I think it is from SEC football. Did you know that he was a fullback for the Auburn Tigers? did, and I didn't put it in. Yes, I did. And I am a little bitter about that because back in those (laughs) days, in the early 90s, Auburn would beat Florida like every year. Yeah. And so, yeah, I actually used to work with a guy a long time ago at a newspaper in Florida who used to play, he was a defensive end or something, I think, for the Auburn Tigers football team. Mm-hmm. And he had a picture of himself blown up in a frame on his the wall by his desk of him having just sacked Danny Werfel. And Danny Werfel is like a crumpled heap on the ground. And my friend that I worked with was like victoriously like leaning over him. And he loved that picture. And I hated that picture. And that's what I thought of when I read about the era that... He was a football player of the Auburn Tigers. I'm like, I bet he played with my old friend and they probably sacked Danny Werfel at some point. (laughs) Well, just to be honest, I thought you were going to say something like, yeah, that's really cool. And we would move on. I did. No, sorry. I I had to get that out. I was going to trigger all of these memories. (laughs) So I I will note that and make sure the next time I reference. um, But uh, I I was going to. Well, I, I'm just I'm trying really hard to not make Florida Gator football jokes right now and keep moving. So thank you, thank you for your, your efforts. So I'm just going to do it. So, um, well, we we transition into some some serious stories. Um, my goodness, Laura, Northern Texas is on fire. Um, it really is like yeah. over a million acres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good news is a a, a good part of it is uninhabited. It's mm-hmm. just prairie. But not all of it. Um, yeah. A lot of there have been a lot of homes destroyed, a lot of cattle destroyed, uh, thousands of heads of cattle. Uh, it's been just a, a tragedy. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, Southern Baptists are already responding. We've had mm-hmm. reports from three different state conventions, both Texas State Baptist Conventions and the Oklahoma Baptist Convention have sent us reports this week about what they're already doing, how they're already deploying, kind of figuring out what the first steps are. Um, the the uh, Texas Baptists on mission have um, sent out a mobile command center, and they've already been distributing things like even simple things like water, and uh, they're setting up a shower and laundry unit. 
And so just be in prayer for those people and for the, I'm sure the hundreds of probably volunteers that will be involved before it's over. Yeah, absolutely. So as of, as of our recording today, uh, two folks, it's been reported that two folks Mm -hmm. have been killed uh, because of those wildfires. And um, so Laura, in, in the, the news world, um, one of the things that, that I work really hard and think about and even pray about is not becoming callous to stats like that, to mm-hmm. numbers, that these are people made in the image of God, that they, they are um, they're, they're people with an eternity, they are people with family and friends. Um, and so, uh, so you know, I mean, every person and, and every person's life is important. But then I moved to Send Relief, marking the second anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And um, in their story this week, they, they mark that the death toll of civilians alone in Ukraine has surpassed 10,000. And that was back in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think they are struggling there to actually know how many folks have been killed in this war between Ukraine and Russia. Um, so just, it's just staggering to think about the impact um, mm-hmm. of, of this war that has been dragging on. But at the same time, we've seen God's faithfulness um, as Send Relief and, and other Christian organizations have had the opportunity to experience a, a real spiritual renewal that, that's mm-hmm. happening there. And so we're so thankful for for those who are leading the way and those who are serving with Send Relief um, in those efforts there in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We had a great story from Send Relief about that this week, um, that they have completed, Send Relief has completed more than 100 projects uh, around Ukraine, impacting 1.9 million mm-hmm. people Mm-hmm. And resulting in ten thousand new believers. Wow. So that's a pretty astounding number as Absolutely. well. You talk about numbers; those are ten thousand new brothers and sisters mm-hmm. as a result of the work that Send Relief is doing there. Um, there was also an interview in this story with a IMB missionary named Mike Domkey, and he said that we've seen more people come to faith in Christ than ever before, and there are more churches being born than ever before because there's just such a spiritual openness uh, in the light of war. People are, I guess, considering all kind of things that maybe they never considered before. Yeah. And so it uh, it's it's very dark. Uh, he said people are, are at a in a bad place emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh probably the worst since the beginning of the war. Everything is just really taking its toll. And so he said that would be his prayer request is that 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 we would pray that the people there just wouldn't lose hope. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um also Laura a very powerful update this week from Hawaii. And the relief efforts that have been ongoing there since the wildfires swept across the island um, last year, and um, again, just just an exemplary effort um, in in witness and and in organization from disaster relief workers in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Southern Baptist uh, disaster relief workers from twenty different states mm-hmm. found their way to Hawaii in the last yeah. few months in the recovery from that fire. I thought this was interesting. I don't think I knew this. But um, one of the Hawaiian uh, Southern Baptist volunteers, the DR volunteers, is uh, a man named Michael Fujimoto. Mm -hmm. And he's been a volunteer with uh, Hawaiian Disaster Relief for about 20 years. And he said that what they did in early days, because you couldn't go into where the fire had destroyed everything, they wouldn't let you in for a long time. So what they did is they housed first responders in a hotel. And he said the disaster relief volunteers basically became like hotel management. Mm organizing the crew, the maintenance crew and the cleaning crews and checking people in and out and mm-hmm. 
uh, it was just, I thought, what a, you just never know when you go uh-huh. out on a, on a call like that, what you're going to end up doing, you're going to be a hotel manager for a while. And maybe that's, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. And so he said it was weeks before volunteers were allowed to actually assist the homeowners with reco- trying to recover any property they could with the ash out process where they just very slowly and painstakingly sift through the ash to try to find any sort of valuable items and stuff. Yeah. And so they have actually been able to help at more than 500 properties, yeah. uh, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief volunteers, and and with more than 650 different families. So just astounding yeah. the amount of work they've been able to do. And and many of you listening, you, you know that because there are folks from your states who have gone and have helped. I know um, when I've been out to state convention um, functions, I've I've heard secondhand of people who have talked to someone who was right there with a family when they discovered a family Bible or some kind of a family heirloom that had been um, a part of their family. And, um, uh, you know, it just it is compelling uh, of how how we can serve and how it opens up the door for gospel conversations. Mm-hmm. And so so thank thankful for uh, the ongoing efforts of our disaster relief folks um, all across the SBC. Uh, Laura, we also had a story this week uh, from Lifeway Research. Um, very complex story because it's a complex issue. It's on immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for a number of years, Southern Baptists have uh, talked through this and have passed resolutions, and the ERLC has been working through this issue as well. But um, it's interesting here in this story, Laura, that from the survey that, that Lifeway Research did, uh, the following aspects of legislation all got more than 90% support among evangelicals. So, so the study is beyond just Southern Baptists. It's across um, a spectrum of evangelicals. So respect for the rule of law, 93% want that. Fairness to taxpayers, 93% want that. Respect for the God-given dignity of every person, 91% want that. Protection of the immediate family, 91% want that. Securing national borders, 91% want that. And then 75% support a path towards citizenship for those who are here illegally are interested in meet certain qualifications for citizenship. And so, so you see a lot of different categories, a, a lot of different wants and desires mm-hmm. at very high levels. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's very difficult to, to figure out how to have all of those things happen at the same time. Yeah, I think the the main takeaway from this story for me was that everybody really wants Congress to do something. Mm-hmm. Everybody is in pretty much unanimous agreement that it's no. time for Congress to really act. And mm-hmm. so um, as all as with any story like this, you can't really do it justice because there's so many percentages and such a broad scope of, of the issue. So I would really urge people to go and look at that Lifeway research report. Uh, yeah. And then a, there was a follow-up story the same day or sort of a sidebar, I guess, if you will, mm-hmm. about a press conference um, yeah. related to this study. And there was a discussion about it that's also very interesting. So it's um, such an important issue. And uh, we've had I can't tell you how many SBC resolutions about it over the years, certainly an issue that Southern Baptists care about. And so, yeah, I would urge everyone to to look into that study. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lots of stories this week um, that we could go on and on about, just um, pointing pointing you to uh, briefly. I know at our house, it's time to talk about summer camps and our, our mm-hmm. teenagers. We're, we're kind of narrowing down the summer strategy and making those deposits and things like that. Um, so we had a story this week. Um, Scott Barkley wrote for us on summer camps returning to full capacity. 
Uh, last week was the National Religious Broadcasters in Nashville, and how fitting it was that this week there was actually um, a religious liberty story filed related to Christian radio. And so Diana Chandler wrote that earlier in the week. I think it would be interesting to you because uh, there are Christian radio stations um, all over the country, and they, they uh, you know, they, they are spreading the gospel and and the Lord is using them in a in a multitude of ways. And so being aware of of that religious liberty battle that that many of them are facing. And then Laura, um circling back to to Detroit to something that that we wrote on last year, but now it's kind of gone to a next step where we've seen a church from Houston develop a partnership with some churches in Detroit. Yeah, I love this story. And so we're not going to talk too much about it just for the sake of time today, but I would I would commend it to you. It is uh real Champion Forest Baptist Church, a huge mm-hmm. uh church in Houston, has is partnering with several smaller churches in Detroit and just sort of helping resource those churches, helping it's a sort of a mutual encouragement among all the pastors. And that was a really encouraging story for me that we had this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ERLC released a guide this week to help parents and churches address gender confusion. Um, mm-hmm. So so hel- helpful there. And then um, we have a story about a Mississippi church's ministry in Romania. Yeah, a really neat yeah. story from IMB this week, too, about just little churches making big impacts if they're just willing to get involved. Yeah, so lot, lots of great stuff at Baptist Press. Um, and we're going to trust it that you'll go check that out. Laura, let's get to our history moment. March the first, um, nineteen seventy nine. Yes, this is where we where we head. Just a baby. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I picked it for lots of reasons. I think mm-hmm. because it's relevant to today in many ways. So March first, nineteen seventy nine, Baptist Press had a story uh, about a meeting at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, okay. which we have talked about at the top of the podcast, right. which is now Gateway Seminary. That's right. But still, at this point, uh, Golden Gate, uh, it was chartered in 1944, by the way, but the SBC took ownership of Golden Gate in 1950. Okay. Well, this story took place in 1979 when it was still, it was still in San Francisco at this okay. point. And it was called a pioneering effort. Uh, Southern Baptist and Jewish leaders convened uh, at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary to discuss issues of mutual concern, particularly regarding religious freedom in Israel. So the president of the SBC at the time was Jimmy R. Allen. Okay. And he was there and he met and had a conversation with Rabbi James Rudin of the American Jewish Committee. Okay. And they debated evangelizing Jews in Israel. Interesting. Um, A couple years prior to that, in 1977, Israel had passed a law that had been interpreted by a lot of people to basically forbid proselytizing in Israel. Um, and so a lot of Christians felt very um, hesitant to share their faith in Israel, felt like they were violating the law. A lot of people disagreed on exactly what the law meant, but that was mm-hmm. sort of how people interpreted it. Interesting. And so Jimmy Allen said that Southern Baptists believe it is, quote, essential to share with others, to witness their faith, that God revealed himself in the Messiah. All we will say to people is, I believe this is the truth, and then respect the right of one's conscience to accept or reject his belief. Mm. So pretty much a statement that all Southern Baptists, I think, sure. would still agree with right now. Yeah. Um, 
And I just, it was a very interesting story about this conversation that they had there and how they sort of kind of met in the middle during the mm. conversation and, and agreed, uh, kind of agreed on a lot of important principles of, regarding religious liberty. Yeah. But then I found that it was, it's actually kind of recent history too. Yeah. Because, it's a modern connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just a year ago in March of 2023, Israel considered an amendment to that 1977 law that would have made any attempt to evangelize a Jewish person in Israel, Israel punishable by up to a year in jail. Wow. Now, they didn't pass it. There was an outcry from a lot of evangelicals, including Southern Baptists, and wow. they didn't end up passing that amendment. But it was talked about. And so this is just an issue that has continued to come to the fore here, you know, 40-something years later. And uh, I just thought that was a really interesting story. And I liked that it took place at Golden Gate. All right. Thanks, Laura. That's, that's interesting stuff there about Israel. Have you Have you ever been to Israel? I haven't. I want to really bad. Have no. you? No, I have not. I have not. So well, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we need a podcast live from Jerusalem. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that would be um, that. That would be something that Jonathan and Amy have not accomplished. If, That's if right. Could. Let's yeah. do it. We only have a few more weeks to make it happen. <laughs> yep the the clock is potentially ticking, so yeah. we need to get on that. So. All right. Well, thanks for listening to SBC this week. Lots in this episode and Laura, lots more um, at Baptist Press that, that we would love for you to go check out. Yeah. As always, plenty of things that we didn't even have time to talk about today. We urge you to go check them out at baptistpress.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.